0: Welcome to The Art Detective with me, Dr Yanina Ramirez. I'm an Oxford art historian, a broadcaster and a writer, and I'm your chief investigator of images. So every week I'm joined by a lovely guest, knowledgeable guest who brings one particular image to life with me and today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Professor Christiana Payne who is Professor of Art History at Oxford Brookes University and she has just written the most wonderful book. It's called Silent Witnesses, Trees in British Art, 1760 to 1870. And Christiana, we're in a beautiful place, aren't we? We're in Watts um, Gallery, an artist's village. Mm-hmm. And we sat under an oak tree, oak tree listening to birdsong, yes. which is fitting, isn't it? <laughs> so tell me a bit about what, you, what made you write this book. Um, well, I've
2: always been interested in landscape painting, and I wrote another book which was about um, painters on the coast. So I've been looking at themes, and in, indeed my research originally was on paintings of agricultural landscape. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of gone from one theme to another. And I started thinking about trees because I went to a Paul Sandby exhibition in Edinburgh, and in one room there were these three or four enormous watercolours of beautiful beech trees, and I particularly like beech trees. And there was one, a special one I really liked, that showed this coppice of beech trees with all their um, roots interlinked. Oh! And I thought that was wonderful. And it was very early, too. It was done in 1760. Mm. So quite early for that sort of naturalism. Um, and I suppose that's what really appeals to me about painting. It's when you see something from the natural world and it's depicted in a way that it's convincing. Mm. I find purely abstract art a bit difficult to take <laughs> but, um, but at the same time it's it's gone through the painter's imagination and so it's not just a dull record of something mm. it's got something else as well so beyond
0: f- the photographic yeah. recording yeah. and the actual yeah.
2: interpretation of nature yes, yes exactly yeah. and my favourite artists I think are John Constable and Samuel Palmer and the Pre-Raphaelites oh. And I thought, well, this is a project I can work on that will bring them all in and Paul Sandby as well. So that's what I decided to
0: do. Well, I think it's absolutely inspired as a concept (laughs) because, I I mean, I'm obsessed with symbols and so my PhD was on bird symbols. And I think trees are so um, ubiquitous, you know, that that they're Mm. often overlooked and yet their symbolism is so rich in Mm. so many instances. Mm. And actually that brings us onto the painting that we're looking at. So do tell me what one we've got in front of us. Right, well this is a
2: a painting, a watercolour with gouache and it's in the Ashmolean Museum so it's one I've been able to go and see because I live in Oxford and it shows a beautiful young horse chestnut tree that is in flower and underneath the horse chestnut tree there is a figure, a shepherd or a shepherdess it's very modern because it's sort of gender fluid you can't quite tell which it is and um, sitting, nestling under the tree and, and leaning into the trunk and looking very comfortable and around this shepherdess I think she is Mm. there are some beautiful sheep and lambs again all nestled together and and the whole scene just looks so comfortable and full of life and um, it's a really beautiful image and I particularly like this because Samuel Palmer was very fond of the horse chestnut tree And most people thought horse chestnuts, especially in flower, were not picturesque and therefore shouldn't be painted. Why was that? Because I would have thought when they're in flower, they're some of the most colourful of
0: trees, aren't yes. they? Yes, yes,
2: we love them now, don't we? Yeah. Um, they were thought to be excessive, I think. Um, one of the things about the horse chestnut was it's, it was supposed to be an example of conspicuous consumption <laughs> because it was often used in country houses, avenues, and it didn't, the, the fruits of the horse chestnut are not much good to us.
0: Oh, how interesting. So it was associated with sort of privilege.
2: And yes. Well- Yes, partly that. And also, I think Palmer liked it because um, you can outline each leaf Mm. um, and still produce something that looks naturalistic. And I did a lot of work on drawing manuals. Uh, of the time and most of the drawing manuals said you must never draw a tree showing each leaf separately but because Samuel Palmer loved primitive art, he loved 15th century art, Mm. um, he wanted to work in that sort of primitive style and so it really suited him perfectly So earlier manuals
0: were saying you shouldn't show individual leaves, why was that then? Well the manuals of, of Palmer's time right but it was because what you were supposed to give an impression of the yes yeah okay but he was more interested in the almost the scientific minutiae of of depicting it
2: Mm, well not scientific no um visionary i guess is the word Mm. isn't it Mm. so um yes because what he was painting was a more perfect world than the world we live in and therefore you can see things more clearly with the spiritual eye than you can with the physical eye that was the idea that's beautiful And, and palmer himself what do we know about him Well, yes, Um, he was the son of a bookseller, he grew up in London but um, in his 20s he moved to Shoreham in Kent and lived there and his um, friends used to come and stay with him and they used to go off walking in the countryside. Mm. And he painted um, moonlights with huge moons and sheep and flowering trees and, and generally wanted to create this this vision of a very bountiful countryside.
0: And who was he painting for then? Was, did he have mm. wealthy patrons? No. no. No, didn't sell much for
2: his and work at all. Mm. Um, then in his 30s he went to Italy. He had a long honeymoon, nearly two years in Italy. And after that, he concentrated mostly on watercolour. Although there is one larger, um, large oil painting that he did after that time,
0: which is actually in the Ashmolean now.
2: Okay, the so Ashmolean
0: has a fantastic collection of his work. But so, But in a way, he's sort of a, um, an unappreciated artist in some respects. Do you think that's because of his subject matter? He was in his time. Mm. However, in the
2: 1920s, he was. Um, there was an exhibition of his work at the v in 1926, mm. and he was taken up in a big way by artists like... Um, John Piper and Graham Sutherland and the English mm. Romantics, mm. and since then he's always been very popular but mm. um, I think his later work is is underappreciated mm. Shoreham work, but people know about the Shoreham work but not really about what he did
0: later And this one in particular then, it's 1831 1830, 1831 and um, to you, does this express sort of his ideal really? Yes, I think so and mm.
2: and it's an ideal of, of several of the artists in this book really um, because what I've come to realise, looking at trees and artists over over the years, I've been working on this, is is the mutually beneficial relationship between people and trees. Mm. And so I like the way that the um, the shepherdess is is sheltered by the tree. And, you know, it's as if the tree is actually looking after the shepherdess, and the mm. shepherdess is looking after the tree. And
0: yeah, and it's 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 so beautifully composed, I think, because of the colour as well. And actually the the way that the sheep um, are depicted, the way that their, their wool is done, it's not dissimilar to the way he's done the horse chestnut flowers, but then also this, what is this, a willow behind? What have we got behind there? Oh, that's a good question, yes. It looks like some sort of flowering tree, doesn't yeah. it, from here?
2: But on the other hand, it looks it's, it's very, very elegant. It looks yeah. like an ash tree.
0: So I mean there's a there's a pattern that's going through with these colours and these textures, aren't there? Yes, it's
2: very warm. And then there's a bit of blue to set off those warm gold colours and and then the sheep, well they're sort of reddish as if they've been um, you know, had the ruddle on them or whatever you call yeah. it. But but there's quite a lot of red
0: in the sheep. And and it's completely finished. This was the the overall finished piece because again I love the fact that it's almost you blocky and impressionist around the yes. edges, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Bits of it are, 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 do look quite unfinished, but yeah. you think
0: that's deliberate? Yes, I think so. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And why does he use this blue then? Because I, I can see the blue is is very stuck. Is this sort of a mountaintop that we're supposed to think up here? Or I think there's a clouds. Okay,
2: but they're quite pink. The clouds aren't they? they? So are. Are we supposed to think it's? I think it's the evening probably because mm. what he really loved was the twilight. So he thought yes. that was a magical time. Well, he does such beautiful moonscapes as well, doesn't yes. he? I yeah. adore how he depicts. The moon. I think he's one of the best. Yeah, no, I know I'm thinking about the time of day, that's interesting, isn't it? Because it is it is very pink and it's very pink up there. So either it's early morning or it's early evening and Mm. i don't know which maybe it's early morning but on the other hand no the no
0: the sheep are going to sleep the sheep are going to sleep it looks like the sheep are going to sleep and Mm. and i do agree with you that it's probably a shepherdess because Mm. you have this flash of red that suggests sort of a headscarf doesn't it um but again i love the fact that i mean this almost looks like a river or a stream or a brook or something that could be coming through Mm. but then it's the same blue same blue that he's used for her shirt and it's there as well i mean there is a river running through Shoreham. Well, so we might even have a kind of location here. Yep. But in, in returning to the chestnut tree itself then, because one of the things that comes out in your research, I suppose each tree has its own symbolism and its set of associations. Is that right? Yes,
2: different varieties of trees, absolutely. Mm. Yes. So we
0: talked about this being sort of associated with the wealthy, but does it have any other symbolism?
2: Hmm.
0: Not particularly, I don't think so. No. no, not
2: in the same way that, say, the oak tree has a symbolism of... Um, longevity and the family tree and oaks for the navy and and so on
0: yes so do you explore that in the book
1: as well yes I do you do
2: yes
0: in the first chapter
2: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
0: And so, so when you're talking about this idea of getting back to nature, which I presume is what Palmer's trying to do here, create a scene that is a pastoral idyll, Is he citing ancient sources? Um, I'm thinking now sort of Arcadia and and the Arcadian tradition. Yes,
2: yeah, he he loved Virgil and he loved Milton too, actually. So, yes, he's very well read, Palmer. Mm. Being the son of a bookseller, he had access to books.
0: Of course. Because yeah. <laughs> so, this is becoming quite fashionable as we go into the, the 18th, 19th century, isn't it? Yes, the idea of, of yeah. recreating Arcadia. Yeah. Um, and it surprises me that he wasn't popular with the nobility as a result with his work. Uh, well, his work was seen
2: as too extreme.
0: Oh. Yes.
2: How and how? One, one of the reviews he got was that um, he ought to exhibit himself with a sign round his neck. Oh. He was <laughs> thought of as being so eccentric. No. Yes,
0: yes. I can't see that. So mm. is it because of what? What is it? Well, this, this is eccentric? this is less
2: extreme, actually. It's, it's the sepias in the Ashmolean from 1825, uh-huh. which have those very thick
0: outlines. Do you know those? Yes. Yes, yeah. And that was just too radical? Yeah, it was too radical, yes, because it was so different from what other people were doing at the time. That's amazing. And what do you think he was trying to capture with that then? Because to me, it's almost photographic when he's mm. playing with those textures. But why does he push against the boundaries so much, do you think? Um, well, he has this meeting with William Blake Mm. and that makes a huge impact on. I him. think meeting with William Blake is going to affect your mind it is it <laughs> is, absolutely yes. so yes. that's really interesting so in a way we're sort of seeing that impression of the romanticism of, of Blake coming mm. through in, in the way he mm. paints mm. yeah and, and and
2: Palmer as a young man was very interested in the church probably thought possibly about going into the church as did Constable actually mm. so both of them when they do landscape painting you know it's it's kind of
0: religious practice for them there's a spiritual element throughout that definitely is what comes out through this Mm. it's it's almost like the chestnut tree is a divine protective hand keeping the flock safe underneath isn't it yeah So you could read it as a biblical allegory almost. It's uh, pushing it.
2: (laughs) Except that it's very definitely set in Kent
0: in the 19th Mm. century. Mm. Well, I absolutely love it. And you've got um, another example that we were going to sort of compare it with from, from... So this is part of an exhibition, isn't it? Well, as a result of doing the book, I Mm. went to the um, Higgins Bedford
2: to see two of the drawings that I needed to see and started talking to the curator there, Mm. Victoria Partridge, and together we said, well, wouldn't it be nice to do an exhibition on this theme? (laughs) And indeed, a year later, you know, that has actually happened. So Mm. this exhibition, which is called A Walk in the Woods, opened at the end of September, and Mm. it goes on till the end of February. And, um... The Higgins Bedford are very keen on using the exhibition to get new audiences into the museum, and especially families and children. Mm. So I was there last week doing um, a day with children, which was great fun. Aww. And um, I had them all lying on the floor drawing trees. Oh, fantastic! Um, and um, and the way Victoria has set up the exhibition, it's very family-friendly. Um, it's a bit like going into the woods. She's got dark brown walls. Paintings are um, spotlit against those dark brown walls. She's um, got um, temporary walls in at in, uh, angles in the exhibition oh, so that nice. you can walk round these angled walls as if you were walking through the
0: woods Oh I like that, and what are the big hits then that you've got in the exhibition? The big hits. Well, What I went to see
2: was um, a big drawing by Constable, It's one of his biggest drawings he ever did of mm. two trees Can
0: we look at that? Yes, that I'd too love really? it to um, No I love, because Constable's uh, Hey, Wayne, uh, the sketches in the V&A, and i am always struck by how yes. rough his sketches well, are. Well, I
2: think people don't know him so much as a
0: draftsman, mm.
2: but because he did these amazing portraits oh, of trees... amazing. Now, this is large. <gasps> Let me see, what does it say? Um, 73 centimetres high. Good so, God. So it's a big drawing, and in fact, he, he's done it on four different sheets of paper. Yes, you he can obviously see the drawings, can't you? you? can see there, and there's another bit there too, and there's another bit here. <laughs> and, and this is very definitely a portrait of two trees. Um... This is a larch, dead straight, Mm. um, branches out horizontally like arms. Yes. And then um, the Scots pine, which is all twisting and twirling around. And I I think of them as being like two dancers. You know, here's, here's the male dancer and he's just standing dead straight supporting this
0: female tree that is twirling around. It and is absolutely stunning and, yes. and the reason I love it so much and again it does take me back to the Haywayne sketch is when he sketches when he does his draftsmanship he's so he's he, he's very very careful but some of the precision that you get in his paint mm. isn't there in the sketching and mm. it becomes much bolder and, and almost more passionate. Yes. Um, this is the real constable to me. Yeah. I think he sort yeah. of distills it when he comes mm. to add colour. Mm. <laughs> this is this is so monochromatic and powerful isn't
2: it? Isn't yes, it? yes, there's so much energy in that tree. And actually, I was in the National Gallery last week. I seem to get around a bit <laughs> um, because I'm doing some lectures there uh-huh. later this month. And I was looking at Rubens's trees and thinking, you know, the way Rubens's trees... Tw- curve around. They are like his figures. They're mm. twisting and turning mm. and that gives them tremendous energy and movement and, and obviously that's what he found in this tree as well because it starts to twist right from the ground. But, I,
0: the, but Why it subtl- grows like that, I cannot imagine. I it. can't imagine, but the subtlety of this is that he's juxtaposed that with this absolutely bolt upright tree, yeah. which almost reminds me of when he did Salisbury Cathedral Yeah. and you've got the sharp spire sticking mm-hmm. up and then the looseness of the foliage yes, around yes, it. Yes. So it's almost like the trees have taken the place of the art I mean, it's almost Caspar David Friedrich stuff. Isn't mm-hmm. it that that the trees become the architecture?
2: Yes, and that's um, another artist who was interested in trees at this
0: same time. Who yeah. I adore. I, yeah. I think he's incredible. But so this is on in the exhibition, and so, it's a large piece. So yeah, we're yes. talking sort of seventy-three centimeters yep. as big. Yep. that's a big hit. So to what, get. that's
2: one of the stars. But um, lovely, as well as. Hunstable. there's a Gainsborough drawing um, mm. there's a Lucian Freud drawing right. there's a, there are two Graham Sutherland paintings um, there's a Ben Nicholson print um, there are two Paul Nash
0: oh another art another so, yes
2: so it's almost like a history of of English watercolour painting from the 18th century through to the, just about the present day. Just about the
0: present day. Mm. I mean, that's the beauty of taking something thematic like trees yeah. and seeing it evolve across time. Mm. Um, each of the artists is obviously using them in slightly different ways. Um, but I mean, is there is there a, a defining moment? Do you think where in this book it all comes together? Because I think I know your final chapters on Ruskin, isn't it? And mm. what's the role that Ruskin plays in all of this? Well, I was going to say the defining moment is the 1820s when Palmer and Constable are um,
2: painting and drawing trees but also when there's this amazing book called Silver Britannica by Jacob George Strutt which is a large I don't know if you know it's a large folio sized book with these etched portraits of trees and anyway so that's the 1820s okay well I wanted to do um, a chapter on Ruskin and the Pre-Raphaelites because Mm. I love the Pre-Raphaelite paintings of trees Mm. such as this one which is by George Price Boyce and this is the other star I think of the Higgins exhibition although I don't know the Paul Nash's and the John Nash. well yeah anyway um, <laughs> <thing> you're
0: spoiled <laughs> that's the problem <laughs> yeah, the, good, the
2: good thing about the, the Bedford exhibition is there's something for everybody really but, uh-huh. but this is a wonderful example I think of the pre-Raphaelite approach to landscape mm. every single leaf that painted <laughs> it, I like it too because it's Oxford it's Binsey
0: mm-hmm. Um, yeah we should give the title so this one's called At Binsey near Oxford and it's 1862 watercolour yeah. and ink uh, slightly smaller 31 by 53. Sort of by 53 so it's a good so size, for a nice size for a watercolour nice size for a watercolour and it's it's like the palmer in one sense
2: because you've got these beautiful trees and when I looked at it carefully I realised the tree on the right here is an apple tree oh, you can yes. actually see the, you can see the apples and you can see she is resting against the trunk of a tree there's a woman Little with a baby, child yes. so you've, you've got that sense of Trees enclosing human life and oh. human life benefiting from a relationship with
0: trees. But even these, what are these? These aren't guinea physical. fowl. Are they guinea fowl? So the guinea fowl, and then the dove cut, cut up yes, there. Yes, and
2: there are little trees in the in, in uh, sorry, little birds. In yes, the there tree are little well. robin.
0: You can even yep. make that out. of yep. a robin redbreast. It's got a red breast. The detail is extraordinary. Um, but again, I think the reason I like it is because it's glimpsed through. You know, it's not this monumental mm. use of trees where, yeah, I suppose if we think of um, a cloud or something where you've got. Uh, classical architecture and then possibly the trees, a frame a tree of tree yep. but this is the trees are the, the main feature mm. and you're having to get through the trees to see the house and the people and the animals yes they're the, they're the fabric aren't yep. they Yeah, and the individual leaves are absolutely extraordinary and then is this an ivy that's sort of wrapping around the trunk as well do you think or because there seems to be all sorts of different types of foliage um, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And your eyes are drawn to different things. So over there, there's sort of a water pail where mm. I think a crow is drinking from mm. it. Or something, well, one of it? the
2: things I suggest for children is to see if they can count the birds in the painting.
0: Oh. Because there are so many of them. There are. But
2: it's also, it's really filled with sunlight. I wanted to write about Ruskin partly because I've always had a thing about Ruskin being rude about Constable. Because <laughs> he's really horrible about Constable. He says Constable can't draw... And yet Ruskin loves trees, and he goes on and on about how wonderful trees are. So why couldn't he see how marvellous Constable was as a, a painter and draftsman of trees? Mm. I, I, I still don't really understand it. Do
0: you think it's because he didn't ever see the sketches? Do you think it's because he was looking at his finished paintings? He could painting? have done. Um, mm. Charles
2: Robert Leslie, who was Constable's biographer, was a friend of the family. Mm. They knew each other. But um, Leslie brought out his life of Constable, um, and in the same year Ruskin published the first volume of Modern Painters, in which he said, Turner... Was the greatest, Ooh. and I think ever after that. Then they had little spats after mm. that, and, mm. and you know, Ruskin. And and so when Ruskin writes about trees he goes on 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 about how Turner is brilliant at drawing trees and yeah Turner's brilliant at everything but he's really
0: not that interested in trees no he's not it's not his priority (laughs) is it (laughs) unlike Constable who is almost obsessive about trees
2: so so Ruskin I think is fascinating because he's so inconsistent and annoying (laughs) and so brilliant and and when it comes to the pre-Raphaelites and their paintings of trees he's really ambivalent about them because he doesn't really he's already and of course he's already said something he's already said that you shouldn't paint each leaf of a tree he agrees with the, the drawing manuals on that and and so he can't really approve of what they do
0: and of course he can't because of the hyperrealism in the, yeah, in the tradition and
2: also he says that um, it, well, it's the pure natural volition of the creation that we want we don't want um, trees that
0: are pollarded and yet, I mean, if we think about the Millet portrait yeah, yeah. in the Ashmalion, where every single leaf of the moss is oh, painted yes. in, yes. and that's his thats his way he wants oh, to be yes. remembered yes. Yeah. in yeah. art. Yeah. So he is completely contradicting but himself. But there is a basic in contradiction in, in
2: Ruskin anyway, isn't there? That, yes. You know, he loves Turner, but then he loves the Pre-Raphaelites.
0: Yes. And they're so different. And nobody else believed that they were doing the same thing. No. <laughs> he sort of pulled them together, I suppose, yeah. through yeah. their through their understanding of the natural world. And Well, he tries to justify it. He tries it, to justify it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But, um, yes, and Pollarded Willows,
2: well, Constable loved Pollarded Willows, and you see them all, all the time in the English countryside. Yeah. And um, Millet's Ophelia, Pollarded Willows. Exactly. Um, Hunt's Harling Shepherd, Pollarded Willows.
0: You know, so there is this... And yet, so again, remind me of his words, as his words are, he just doesn't feel they should be appearing because it's the restriction of nature, the yes. conditioning of nature. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So he was into wilderness, really wild nature, um, not cicatrized to the pollard, he says.
0: Right. I think that's really interesting. And again, I see it as a sort of a... Again, there's this tension, isn't there, if you go back to the, the 18th century, between the sort of very formal garden layouts and then mm. bringing in capability brown and and Yeah, Cove making it the, look more natural. Making mm. it look more, more natural and not containing nature. I think Ruskin is almost a re another regenerative version of that but it doesn't ever, I, I, to me it doesn't seem to come down to the level of actually making those spaces am i wrong there or did they encourage that in garden design as well in the 18th century mm, go, yeah going in through ruskin onwards yeah oh, in the, by the 19th century yeah because you just don't see the... I, to me, well, the, I can't, Then you get
2: a revival of the formal garden, don't you, towards exactly. the end of the 19th century. Which so is there's always is, this tension between tension, the two. Yeah. And a garden is never completely natural. No. <laughs> and also, Ruskin... Well, now I'm getting interested in American landscape painting. And, of course, what's interesting about Ruskin is he had the chance to go to America and see proper wilderness, but he yeah. never did. <laughs> um, yeah, and I suppose I, I got into Ruskin, too, through working on John Brett. Mm. And... Um, yeah, so he's encouraging John Brett to paint Switzerland, and then when John Brett does a wonderful painting of Switzerland, then Ruskin praises it, but he also says it's mirror's work, it's not man's, you know, it's too realistic. Ooh. Mm.
0: And that's, I think that there's something very fascinating in the Ashmolean as well with their permanent collection where they have the, the pre-Raphaelites exhibited, and you have the Ruskin, then you have the Inchfold, and then um, there's, there's these wonderful sublime landscapes, aren't there, either side, mm. that again, are, to me, always strike me through their colour, but they're... They have the impression, as you say, of the mirror that they are. They can't possibly be real, Mm. and yet, in accordance with Ruskin, as you get into the foreground, it's tiny little mosses, it's Mm. tiny little rock flowers, all done with that sort of single brush, single Mm. hair brush. So it's almost like they're trying to appease Ruskin in that respect as well, isn't it? Do the big sweeping landscape and then the tiny detail as Mm. well. Mm. Um, But so, when you were going through them, did you have a sort of a favourite tree that keeps appearing? that you enjoy
2: studying well I think from my childhood yes because when I was growing up I had a, a favourite tree which was guess what a horse chestnut oh. and I, had, I had a swing attached to a horse chestnut oh lovely but, but also some beech trees with their um, roots all intertwining I knew, oh yes I knew as a child so I, I think those remain my favourite trees um the horse chestnuts look rather straggly at this time of year when they're losing their leaves, but I do think they're the best tree ever in May when they're Absolutely. coming into flower. And then beaches... Um,
0: well, look at these beaches now. And we've got you know, some beautiful beaches. Yes, yeah, so we're, and, we're in October. Beautiful trunks. And the colour... I mean, that's the other thing, I think, that... Um, even on the same page of your book here, we've got the Brett, the Hedger, and the opportunity with trees to, to see the spectrum of colour mm. that comes through, particularly in the autumn. Yes. That's an artist's gift, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Why would they not want to paint trees? Yes. And then, and then when you layer it up with Christian symbolism as well, if you, you, know, if you look at the, the sort of canon of Western art and how trees play a role in that, mm. um, I mean, I think this book needed to be written, didn't yeah. it? <laughs> so we must we must sort of um give everyone the title again the book is called silent witnesses trees in british art 1760 to 1870 by christiana payne and the exhibition is a walk in the woods a celebration of trees in british art and it's running from the 30th of september uh, until the 25th of february next year and that is at the higgins in bedford it is such a pleasure to talk Mm. with you oh we had a reason for this which was the anniversary which oh, we haven't oh, talked about. Tree Here yes. we go. This was the other reason that we wanted to get this out ASAP. So it is the 800th anniversary of the Tree Charter, isn't it? Just yes. tell the yes. listeners a little so, bit more. So the
2: Charter of the Forest um, came two years after Magna Carta. Mm-hmm. So it was produced in, in 1217, that's yep. right, isn't it? On the 6th of November. And there are two copies of the Tree Charter still in existence. One is in Durham Cathedral and the other is in Lincoln Cathedral. So the Woodland Trust decided to issue a new Tree Charter which is being launched on Monday, November the 6th, exactly 800 years later. And we're going to go to Lincoln and go to Lincoln Cathedral. And it's going to be written in oak gall ink. <gasps> and it has 10 principles, one of which is recognizing the cultural importance of trees and forests. So that's where I come in. But actually, I agree with most of it, really. It's all about trees and well being, having more trees in our cities. Allowing more access to the woodlands and so on, and um, yeah, so I, I was very happy when I realised my book was going to come out in this wonderful year when there's so much interest in trees, and I I think trees are really important. They we are. need to look after them.
0: And so the original charter uh, in 1217, mm. uh, what was that actually trying to do? Defend the rights of of the forest, the people who were the in rights it?
2: of free men in the forest. Mm. So to to take wood for fuel. Um, and to pasture their animals and that sort of thing.
0: Mm, because so
2: much of it was in royal hands, wasn't it? Yes, a third of the land area of England. Of course, forest in those days meant more than what we think of as forest now, yeah. it could mean wood pasture as well.
0: OK. So that was an important document at the time, you know, to be thinking about how Magna Carta is so closely related to the, treat, to the Forest Charter. I think yes. that's profound, oh, yes. isn't yes. it? Yes. The yes. rights of man and the rights of trees. Exactly. <laughs> so it's going to be very exciting on, uh, on next week then when you go to listen to it in Lincoln. Um, and the whole chart, the new charter will be read out, is that right? Yes, And yes. then someone will actually sit and scribe it all out in Oak Gaul. Well, it's already been written in, in Oak gall ink. But um,
2: Fiona Stafford, who has written, well, the, I think the principles were established through the Woodland Trust collecting 60,000 tree stories by people saying why trees were important to them. Uh And um, then she has sort of expanded on the points. So she's written some of the text and she's going to be reading out the whole thing.
0: Oh, it's going to be wonderful. And and how perfect that you can have this exhibition this book all in the 800th anniversary year of the the tree charter amazing well i'm so glad we had a chance to talk and uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to to the art detective listeners thank you thank you very much